It's, it's like a prayer and a curse at the same time because we're so thankful that we learned so many steps. This is game-changing information guaranteed to raise your real estate wholesaling business with actionable steps you can take immediately to navigate the ins and outs of wholesaling and start making money today. Join us as we put our guests in the hot seat and dive deep to dissect their strategies for success to enable you to duplicate their results. You're listening to Wholesaling Inc., the only show dedicated to making you a fortune in wholesaling. What's up, Rhinos? Welcome to the Wholesaling Inc. podcast. I'm your host, Lauren Hardy, and we've got Rob Farrell and Cameron Martin on the podcast today. We've got two virtual investing mastery students, and we're going to talk about their journey in getting started. I think the amazing thing about these two guys is these are college students. I feel very old right now at my 35 years old. How old are you guys? Just turned 21. Both of us last month. Oh my gosh. You guys are babies and you're already so far ahead in like your entrepreneurial journey. That's amazing. What made you guys get into real estate at such a young age? I could probably go first here. This is Cameron. So yes, this is Cameron. Thank you for having, thank you for having us on by the way, Lauren, appreciate it. So I kind of got started August, end of August, 2020 is when I really started diving into educating myself about how this whole business works. And I knew I always wanted to be in real estate. I just didn't know exactly what I wanted to do in real estate, but just going through social media on this one day, I think it was on TikTok, I found someone who was talking about wholesaling. And to me, it almost sounded not real at almost. So I just kind of wanted to research a little bit more, which is what I did. And I'm like, wow, this is this sounds like something that I could do at a young age because you're essentially not really using your own money to buy any properties. So I did that when I was at school, starting in the end of August, 2020, and did it all throughout the fall semester. And I was like, wow, I really want to do this. But it wasn't really until like January, end of January, 2021, when I really started to take action, like actual action into it. And then I started out cold calling by myself. So this is, this was just by myself without Rob at first. And then probably by February or March, me and Rob kind of, you know, started communicating. Rob got interested in wholesaling as well. And then we chose the market of Tampa Bay, Florida mm. at first, which now we actually do all of Florida, but we joined forces last May, the middle of May to the end of May when we got out of school and the summer started 2021. And then that's just kind of how we got started with each other. Dang. So so I started actually um, doing e-commerce here at Providence College. So this was pr- probably towards the later half of the my freshman and it just wasn't working out. I, I tried a lot of things. Maybe I bought a small guru or whatever it was, but things just weren't working out. And then Cam was telling me about what he did. And at first I had no idea what wholesaling real estate was. So obviously the first couple of clicks into YouTube, you can pretty much easily figure out what wholesaling or the basic definition So then I give credit to Cam because I would have never known about wholesaling if it wasn't for... So at the end of my freshman year, we agreed to join teams together and go into our summer just all in. So we were spending thousands of dollars on marketing and we'll get into it into more details in a little bit, but we had a lot of struggles where we were losing money and we had contracts fail Mm. and we just continued to push until the end of summer when we weren't even really with each other. We actually were going back to school after the summer. That's when our first deal hit. And that deal, it saved us because we, we ran out of money. Oh my gosh. Okay. So you guys 
are friends, right? Before this, you were just friends. Cam came in. I was like, I'm interested in this wholesaling thing. You're going to e-commerce sucks. What's that about? (laughs) And you guys decided to, you know, partner together. And it sounds like your first go at it was just using like YouTube university to put the pieces together. And in that process, what did you do wrong? Did you, I, do you know now what you did wrong, which was causing you to burn through money where there's some mistakes made or anything that you can identify? I don't know if there's anything in particular. I just think it was that we didn't have a lot of money at first because we we're still, we were still young at the time. We're only 21 now, but at the time we were 20. So we don't, I also just work a pizza delivery job. So it's nothing, you know, really special. Um, not making a whole lot of money doing that. So I think it was more of just not having that much money to start with. And then we were going a couple months already in between getting our first deal locked up under contract. And in between that happening and our first closing, we started to not even really be able to market that much anymore because we ran out of, ran out of funds, you know? Yeah. When I first got started, I I didn't have any money and I put everything on my credit card. Don't do that. It's not like the best idea, but no joke. Like I got up to $11,000 in credit card debt, but it was, it was fine because I had, by this time I had a flip going where like we knew we were going to make a lot of money. So I wasn't that concerned. I had one flip going and then I had one under contract, like by this time. So I had a pipeline where I was like, okay, this debt will be paid. It's going to be fine, but it was a nerve wracking few months having that. Certainly. Definitely. And so I also delivered pizza back then. And at the time where we really had double digits into our bank accounts, and I think Cam would say the same thing, we would go and deliver pizza one night after doing wholesaling and we would spend it on marketing the next day. And it was just continuous and I had less than a hundred dollars in my bank account at one time. And I think we recalled old lists because we just, we couldn't pull new lists. We couldn't skip trace wow. because we had not, we had nothing. That's amazing. So you would just go back to your old lists. What's so funny is there is going to be a point you're, you're already getting towards there where you're going to like, forget these moments. Like you're going to forget. And the efficiencies that you guys like the monetary like efficiencies of what you are doing, you're going to get past that. And you're going to start like blowing through money. That's entrepreneurs, business owners. Like we throw money at marketing campaigns, like not really thinking. Whereas when you're at this level you're in, you really think about every dime you're spending. And then you re I love it. You reuse the same list. Whereas like I'm lazy. I just go pull another one, not even think twice about it. So in a way, can I just tell you, don't lose that because as you make more money, you might start forgetting in uh, this feeling. And there's going to be a time where you go, man, I'm wasting money. And why did I do that? So that's really cool. Right. So you right. went back and did you, where did your first deal come from? So the first deal was in Spring Hill, Spring Hill, Florida. But even before our first deal, we got, so like we said before, we started in May together and we were working out at Rob's garage and we're actually going to do that again this summer. But so we, like I said earlier, we, I, we started out cold calling and then we switched to SMS text blasting. Cause we're like, you know what, maybe we can reach more people quicker 
If yeah. we do text mm-hmm. blessings, so we use bash leads for that. And within the first two weeks of us starting starting out working together, we got our first property on a contract, which didn't end up closing. So that uh, was like the very end of May or maybe the first week of June, 2021. Okay. So it fell through. It eventually fell through because the seller, first of all, was asking after we found a buyer for this, we were going to make, I think 5,000 and this was uh-huh. supposed to be our first deal. He ended up asking after we found a buyer for $10,000 upfront. Mm. And we were like, well, what do we do? Still to this day, I don't really even know what I would do if someone, if a seller asked for $10,000 up front. Yeah. But not only that, we couldn't really do that. We tried to figure out a way where the buyer could, we could use the yeah. buyer's funds for that, mm-hmm. but that wasn't really working out. And they also had tenants that they didn't tell us about beforehand. Ooh. Okay. Um, you got a shady they, seller. Okay. Yeah. And they were not paying any rent. So they were living with them and we kind of, apparently the court, if it were to the tenants, if like the eviction process was ever to go to court, apparently the court favors tenants a lot. Well, so Kim, do you remember because they were receiving mail uh-huh. at that property yeah. legally uh-huh. in Florida, you need to be evicted. Even if you're not on any lease or anything, you need to, it's crazy, but you need to be obviously legally evicted off that property. And that buyer had a big problem with that. So that was one of the many problems along with maybe an unpermitted front deck or something like that. There there was a good amount of problems with this first Mm -hmm. property. Okay. Yes. So that one didn't go through and we were kind of, that was a pretty low point when we started out because we're like, oh, we were were almost there and- Got excited. Yeah. And then, so we ended up moving on and then our first deal that actually closed, we got that originally under contract July 14th. And that's a big story because this seller was- all over the place. I mean, that. so this was also in Spring Hill. So these first two were in Spring Hill, Florida. And so we originally got our first, this first deal under contract at 240, 240,000. And this lady was a widow. She was disabled. She just recently had a stroke earlier in the year. It was a nice house if it was kept up, but it was complete crap, pretty much. She had 10 cats. She didn't really take care of the house at all. But at the same time, I understood it because she had some issues with herself and felt bad, but she really couldn't do anything for herself. Yeah. Uh, which it was tough because we're virtual. We weren't there in person right. to you know, actually go to the house and mm-hmm. you know try to you know figure out a way we can help her in that way. But so we had a walkthrough for the property where investors went there to go look around. And then we found out that 240 mark was a little bit too high based off of what the buyers were coming back and saying they could pay for it. And then we renegotiated for the first time down to 235 and then it still wasn't really working. And then we went back down to 230. Mm. And then we had a guy that came in and said he could pay 235, I think it was. So Mm. that would have netted us 5,000. Then he eventually had problems with his lenders because he was using hard money or whatever that is. Um, So he had issues with that. So he eventually had to pull out and he forfeited his EMD to Mm. us. So that was 5,000 as well. Well, So we're like, okay, you know, cool. And this is our, we really wanted the deal to close, but we got 5,000 from it. So then this is where we renegotiated for the final time. And at this point, we didn't really care if um, the seller was willing to go down again, because we had already made some money from this. So at least we had more money in the bank account to market, especially. But then this final call that Rob made to the seller, if you want to take it from here, Rob, we went back down to 200,000. 
Yeah, Kim, we were we were just saying, let's just do one last call. It's not going to hurt. Let's just do one last call. And then if she says, absolutely not, we'll just, we'll follow up even if maybe in a few months. But so I believe we were at 230,000 at the time and we got her on the phone, just said our buyer's lender, they don't think this property is worth what it's under contract for. Mm-hmm. So I'm just going to give you the dead flat purchase price of what we can pay. And we know this will close in whatever it may be, two to three weeks. Right. And I gave her the number of 200,000 and we, we went through the calculations of what she would walk away with after um, paying off her mortgage mm-hmm. and she agreed to it. So we actually end up making, after assigning the contract to an end buyer for 226,000, we made the 26,000 with our second buyer. And then on top of that $5,000 EMD forfeit, we made 31000 off this property. Dang, that's crazy. And you know, sometimes it really does take the seller some time to come to terms with, okay, this price reduction is my only option here right. with the property and the condition that it's in. And I think it's really great that you were honest with the seller. You were saying, selling it to this other buyer and you're communicating with them like what the story is. So that's awesome. And that ended up being a really good win. And you helped the seller in a situation where it sounded like she really did need that help. Pretty win-win for you guys. Did you, have you done any deals past that or what's your, what do you got going on next? Yeah, we've done three more after that. Oh, nice. Um, I'd say the kind of like the best time that, or the most success, the most successful time that we've had so far is probably around like November to this past January Yeah, has been the most successful time period so far. What we ended up doing. So that first deal closed on August 30th. So July 14th to August 30th was that the amount of time it took, but shortly after that. So that's right when school was starting again for us. So we're like, okay, we don't really have as much time to do text blasting. Or if we were to cold call again, we don't have much time because of our classes and stuff like that. So we decided to hire a cold caller. We use the call genius, which Mm -hmm. is in the Philippines. And we had that cold caller for a few months and we got our next property under contract, like a couple weeks after our first closing. Oh, Um, nice. That that took a while. That was Mm -hmm. in Hudson. Took a while because the seller was going through the eviction process with his tenant that was inside. So the process for that kind of took a while and we ended up closing on that on December 17th. Mm. So it was the end of September when we got it under contract and then all the way to December 17th. And we ended up making 13,500 off of that. And we ended up closing our third one on the same day, which was a piece of land in Jacksonville. Oh, wow. um, For 2,500. So that was two in one day. It was a pretty big deal for us. And then our fourth one was in Tampa, which closed on January 7th. And we made 9,000 off of that. And honestly, so the first one, there was a bunch of issues that we had to figure out throughout the whole process, but our last three have been pretty smooth. So It's unfortunate that your first one was that difficult. Because yeah. they're not well, always so, like that. So, yeah. So we, it's it's like a prayer and a curse at the same time because we're so thankful that we learned so many steps on that first one. We learned we we actually left out a step of we had to file a memorandum because another investor had to he almost came along and tried to scare us out of the deal. Mm. So we learned how to file memorandums. We use addendums to adjust the purchase price. It really taught us a lot. We look back and we're like, we wouldn't have learned half of that information if we didn't have that deal. Yeah. 
And that's how you learn. Like you learn by doing with wholesaling. There's, I always say there's 10 different scenarios that will just keep coming up over and over again. So like now, like you've just knocked out like maybe three of those scenarios mm-hmm. in that deal. Yeah. So you're good for the next time it comes up. Right. So oh. what in, in what made you guys decide to go virtual in the first place? I didn't ask that question. Everybody knows throughout the country, it's like Southern California, where, where you are, New York City, you could put Massachusetts up there, very expensive markets. Mm-hmm. So at first, when I really started getting into wholesaling, I'm like, okay, let me do Massachusetts. And my like, oh, it's expensive here. We live pretty close to the New Hampshire border. Yeah. Um, and the prices there are definitely cheaper than Massachusetts, although they're getting up there. But the population just isn't there in New Hampshire compared to other places. And so my girlfriend goes to the University of Tampa. Mm. So I go down there to visit often. So I'm down there a lot. And I'm like, I joined a bunch of Facebook groups for wholesaling. And I was just scrolling through all of them. And I saw a lot of like, Tampa must be a pretty good market. And I'm down there, you know, pretty decent amounts. So I might as well just choose that. But yes, that's pretty yeah. much how we chose to go virtual. That's interesting. I went virtual for the same reason. My home market is way expensive. Orange County, California, if any of you guys listening don't know about my story. Similar issue. When you when your hometown, when your backyard is too expensive, it gets difficult to find distress inventory because there's no one really in distress around you when the average house price is like a million dollars. So that's why I personally went virtual and sounds like we were in a situation, a very similar situation. So when did you join during this journey? When did you actually get formal coaching with Wholesaling Inc. with me specifically? What month was that? January. So our latest deal, we ended up closing when we were in your program. Oh, okay. So you actually mm-hmm. knocked out and went through it. Like you did a lot on your own through YouTube university. Now have you gotten through my whole course program? Yes. Is there anything yes. that you were able to take away from it that might've helped mm-hmm. where you're like, Oh, I, okay. I wish I knew that six months ago. <laughs> so actually um, the biggest takeaway from this course so far was actually from the very first coaching call that was scheduled when we first joined the joined the course. We actually joined it live and I was able to ask you a, a question over the coaching call. And it had to do with our most recent deal that closed. And it, it was because there were tenants um, that were living inside the house. Mm. And I was telling you, I was like, what do we do? We told these tenants that we'd help them try to find a new place to go. How do we do this? What's oh. the best way to, to go about this? And you were like, don't do that. It's That's not your job, stuff like that. Just yeah. do it with the tenants in place. I remember and, that question. <laughs> yeah, just yeah. tell the buyers about it. And that's exactly what we did. And it ended up closing just fine. Yeah. Um, well, but I think- I was going to say, I wish you were in my program for your first deal where you had the, all that craziness. Cause I think you could have closed that all this stuff you told me. I'm like, that wouldn't have stopped me. None of that would have stopped me. Cause mm-hmm. I have the tools. Like I could have told you what to do, like what to do about the tenant, what to do about the shady seller and all those things, yeah. all those things. If you understand real estate law, like I could have definitely helped you with that. It's unfortunate. I was, I was going to suggest calling that seller and seeing if, if he still owns that house. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I wish to, it is what it is. And we definitely learned stuff from, from that deal too. For sure. And, and so I think like with coaching, like you already did a lot of it on your own, but now you have someone now to like bounce 
questions off of or like ideas? Should I even be doing this? Was this my best use of time? And that's, you know, how I've been able to help. So that's cool. For sure. Absolutely. That's really cool. So do you have any advice for anyone who's listening and interested in getting started, but maybe doesn't even know like where to start? I would say, I'm sure many people have heard this, you know, what I'm about to say before, but definitely the way that I started YouTube University, you got to just educate yourself as much as possible. Just go on YouTube, watch as many videos as you can from listen to the experts like yourself. And then as soon as you got the basics down, just take massive action. You just have to, it's all up to you. You just have to do, you just have to do the work, learn the basics. And then once you start taking action, you'll learn so much more. Cause honestly, I feel like that's the real, where the real education is taking the action. So I would say, I I was going to ask you, Rob, I was, so tell me your, what is your advice for someone getting started? And then my follow-up question will be after that. Okay. So yeah, I completely agree with Cam. I think that YouTube University, it's free coaching. You can get any information on YouTube. And after that, I would get a partner because not only do you have two brains working at one thing, but you also can cut expenses in half. So if I was working on this by myself, or if Cam was working on this by himself, we would have definitely ran out of money. It was just the marketing, the the softwares that we were using, it was really expensive. So when you have two people and you can divide the expenses in half, which obviously would mean dividing profits in half, it still works out to the point where you both are gaining knowledge, but you're profiting just as much. Yeah. Now, okay. So from getting started, how do you get the courage to take action? Because I have a lot of people that get stuck in analysis paralysis and you guys are so young and you guys have a ton of courage. How do you, how did you do that? So I think we really did cold call a lot of people and especially for sale by owners on Zillow. And we, w- we would get cussed out. We would get screamed at for these low ball offers. And to me and Cam, it's just noise. At the end of the day, it's just noise. And so once you can realize that who you're talking to on the phone it doesn't really matter. It won't matter after the phone call hangs up. You'll be able to jump on the phone with anybody. And it's really given me confidence to hop on the phone, give an offer and talk through our you know, qualifications with anybody. Yeah. I love that. It's just noise. I wish that I had that in my head sometimes. That's <laughs> in everything. Like when you deal with a kind of a nasty client, customer, something, it's just noise. That's awesome advice. Absolutely. Yeah. I also, to add on that, I also feel if you do get cussed out, which it's inevitable, it's going to happen. Like sometimes even to this day, I'll still get nervous before a follow-up call. But when the person actually picks up and answers, it's like I'm just too focused on the call where I don't even think about being nervous anymore. I just let it flow. Yeah. Um, Just go. But the only way to get over it and get better is to just simply by doing it, you got to do it. You just have to do it enough where, and I think there's a certain point where like you dole out that fight or flight feeling like you get it a lot at first, but then the more you get, you practice, it it starts like calming down and your body doesn't react like in that fight or flight way. And you've got to really dole it out by just a lot of repetition. That's what I found that helps me, but I'm naturally, my personality is very much a people pleaser. So there's different personalities out there. If you're a people pleaser, phone sales can be really difficult because you're just thinking, I'm sorry to bother you. And okay, I know this is a low ball offer. That's all that you're thinking in your head is you're already like apologizing. So I had to get 
past that and it wasn't easy. So congratulations to you guys for all your success and you're so young. So you've got so much more time to just build your businesses. I I wish I got started at 21. I got started at 24, but (laughs) Hey, I could have gotten started earlier, but that's awesome guys. Thank you so much for, you know, joining the program um, and, and inspiring everybody today. If somebody wanted to reach out to you guys, are you guys on Instagram? Yeah. Yeah. So my personal Instagram handle is cam.martin, M-A-R-T-I-N 17. And then we just actually filed an LLC and came up with an official business name. And so we have a business account. It's called, I think it's, what is it, Rob? It's CR underscore capital Capital investments. Yeah. Cool. And so my personal Instagram is Rob underscore Farrell underscore. So Rob underscore F-A-R-E-L-L underscore. Awesome. All right. We'll make sure we put those in the show notes if anybody wants to reach out and thank them for inspiring them. Guys, thank you so much for listening. And if you want to learn how to virtually wholesale just Cam and Rob, make sure you check out virtualinvestingmastery.com where I can help you do just that. Thank you guys so much for listening and make sure you share this episode with anyone that you think it might benefit. Guys, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you for having us. Thank you for having us. Awesome. That's all for this episode. Your next step to success is to continue the conversation over at wholesalinginc.com by joining the mailing list as well as get your chance to book a strategy session to learn the systems and become part of the tribe and work personally with one of our amazing coaches. We'll see you next episode with more ways to make you a fortune in wholesaling.